Less than 48 hours into the month of October, and already it has been full of surprises. As I'm sure all of you know, last night uh, news broke that President Trump and his wife Melania had been exposed to COVID-19 and are indeed infected, along with a number of the White House staff, uh, several senators. Um, I think Vice President Pence is not that we know of. Uh, so far, I think we're still waiting on the results of the Bidens. What a crazy news day it's been. This, of course, comes on the heels of the New York Times story um, releasing uh, information regarding the president's tax returns. And, of course, um, the that uh, just to highlight what a crazy month it's been already, or a crazy time frame in COVID times, that tax story was five days ago. It was within the same week, and it feels like it's been at least a month. So uh, there's a lot to talk about. None of that stuff has anything to do with Oklahoma politics. It does have a bearing on the election, but more importantly, here at home, uh, we and our commitment to trying to keep Oklahoma voters as informed as we can about some of the issues, we are going to talk about uh, one of the state questions that's on the ballot today, state question 814. As many of you, hopefully our listeners and those who are watching this live episode may have already received their ballot. I, I have mine sitting here next to me. Actually, I filled it out yesterday and need to either drop it off or drop it in the mail. So uh, we've got some folks on the show today from both sides of this issue of uh, State Question 814, which deals with the Tobacco Endowment Settlement Trust or TSET uh, and the funding related to that. And we'll get into it. Uh, from both sides and kind of hear the perspectives of people that support it and those that oppose it. Uh, but first, I want to bring on the show uh, are my other two co-hosts, Bailey Perkins. Hello, Bailey. Hey, Andy. How are you? Doing good. Can't complain. So Great. Yeah. I mean, in in 2020, we can always complain. True. It doesn't, True. doesn't do any good. <laughs> <laughs> and Scott Melson, how are you, sir? You were muted. That's how you're doing. <laughs> there we go. I'm good, man. How are you? Great. I'm good. Thanks for being here. Did you? Uh, so, did you say the president got got COVID? I did say that. How That's how could I, that possibly have happened? Well, it's going around these days. It's, really? it's a bug that's going around. And Joe Biden tested negative. So yeah, that's what we did. Right. However, so far, I, I mean, yeah, he's going to have to because he was just exposed the other night and so yeah. they're gonna have to retest a bunch what a crazy week i mean i think we've all anticipated something like this could happen but the fact that it's happening in october i've already seen someone early in the week say man i didn't expect this for an october surprise and then this happened and it's only the second of the month so it'll be a very long month <laughs> in Absolutely. the midst of a very long year uh but yeah a month from tomorrow is election day right so it's going to it's going to be very long and also go by very quickly, I anticipate. Absolutely. So uh, as we get into this discussion about state question 814, I'm going to start by reading the ballot title of the measure, and then we'll get into the discussion okay. uh, and welcome some guests on here. So the, the 
words, the paragraph you will see on your ballot says, this measure amends section 40 of article 10 of the Oklahoma Constitution. It modifies the amount of the annual tobacco settlement payments to the state to be deposited into the Tobacco Settlement Endowment Trust Fund. It modifies the amount of the annual tobacco settlement payments to the state to be deposited into the Tobacco Settlement Fund for appropriation by the Oklahoma legislature. It specifies that deposits into the Tobacco Settlement Fund shall be appropriated and expended to draw down federal matching funds for the Medicaid program. Okay, well, that's clear as mud. And now that we're all at least somewhat confused, let's actually Well, and talk before about... we bring in our guests, um, yeah. this is one of the questions that was brought in by the legislature. And so we talked about this a few podcasts ago about um, the different ways that state questions could arrive on the ballot. Um, the one we're going to be talking about today is one that was... Uh, brought in by the legislature because it takes a vote of the people to make the changes to T-SET since it was passed by a vote of the people for T-SET to be put in the in place the way that it is. And so that's um, right. It's a, a constitutionally protected fund. Thus, it requires a constitutional amendment to adjust it. Um, and we're going to start today's episode with uh, a couple of folks who are on the opposition side or opposed to this measure. And then hearing about uh, 20 minutes, we will have a member of the legislature, Representative Marcus McIntyre, who's a friend of the pod. We've had him on before, haven't we? Yeah. Um, and uh, he'll come on to talk about how this came to be and why it was uh, referred to the ballot. So uh, on that note, I want to bring on uh, Sarah Riven from the American Heart Association. Hello, Sarah. Thanks for joining us. Just had uh, and also... <laughs> <laughs> and then also Matt Glanville uh, from the American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network. Hello, sir. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. So, um, Sarah, I'll start with you. Tell us um, a, a little bit about, maybe not where this came from, but what does it mean to to you and to the coalition that opposes this Um why you have a problem um, with this measure? So we know that TSET works. Um, TSET, this, this originally TSET was set up with the funding structure it has about 20 years ago. Um, and it funds programs across the state, including for tobacco cessation, but also as I'm sure Matt will talk about, um, in cancer research, um, in preventive programming to combat obesity and heart disease. Um, and through the work that they do, they help billions of people in Oklahoma. Um, and so we know that it's really important to continue funding these incredible programs that help all of us and improve our health outcomes. Um, this ballot initiative, by decreasing the, the money that would go to TSET, would have really serious ramifications for the health outcomes in our state. Um, and we're here today because we know just how important it is that we're out here talking about why this um, organization is so important and why we stand by them. Yeah, Sarah, can you give an example of like, what what are some of the things that people might see that TSET does with this money that like would potentially go away if this measure passes? 
Yeah, so the the two um, biggest programs I think the American Heart Association would point to that are relevant to our work. The first is the Quit Line. Um, their tobacco cessation programming is nationally recognized. The Quit Line is nationally ranked. Um, it helps many Oklahomans quit every single year. Um, and in addition to that, they fund grants across the state, healthy living grants that, like I said, that they go to preventive programming really targeted to combat um, heart issues, including obesity, diabetes, um, and other concerns all across our state. Um, I'm gonna let Matt answer the question too, just about the, the, the work they do to combat cancer because that's also a really big part of their funding. Sure. So as Sarah mentioned, TSET funds programs and grants that reduce cancer, heart disease, stroke in Oklahoma. They fund programs on obesity prevention, physical activity, nutrition, the list goes on and on. They actually have a medical loan repayment program uh, that the state uses to recruit physicians uh, in medically underserved areas of the state, both urban areas and rural areas. It's very important to Oklahoma as we seek to improve our overall health ranking. And they're the leading funder, actually, of the Stevenson Cancer Center here in Oklahoma City, which is the only NCI-recognized cancer center in the state of Oklahoma. So, you know, as we look at what this measure does, we know that the state uh, needs money to expand Medicaid, but we just don't want them to use our cancer research and tobacco control money to do it. Yeah, so that's a, a comment that I think we've heard from a lot of people is while the measure says it's supposed to be used to fund Medicaid, it doesn't necessarily mean that that money can't be supplanted somewhere else, right? And then we've seen this happen with the lottery and education and a number of other things. And so it sounds like uh, from both of you that the concern here is if they accept this, if they if this measure is approved, that they might use that money for whatever it is they want and that the, the net return to the state and some of these programs that are have specific or direct impacts on health outcomes in our state um, would be compromised because they wouldn't be funded the same level they have been historically. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, we know, again, just how important TSET is. Um, and by um, taking dollars from TSET, regardless of what the intention for those dollars is, mm -hmm. there's more money that the legislature has control over um, for whatever they might want to do with those dollars. Yeah, the legislature can find money for expansion through any number of other means. And I think that it's important to emphasize that Medicaid and TSET fall into two fundamentally different categories. Medicaid is obviously a fundamental healthcare program. TSET is a prevention-oriented agency. That's what they do. They fund prevention programs. So in bringing this question before voters, what is being asked of them is to sacrifice the state's investment in prevention in order to fund a fundamental health care program that is required to be funded by law, which is just a horrible position to put people in, especially when our state ranks 47th in overall health. So here's another question. I think supporters of state question 814 say, well, there's already a billion dollars within the endowment. Uh, how would you all respond to that? as far as that billion dollars being what so, we'll be used to fund the programs that you're mentioning. The, um, the way the TSEP funding structure works is um, 
TSET programs are funded by interest coming from the endowment every year. So they actually take the average of um, three years of what those interest payments look like in order to determine what the budget will be for TSET each year. Those dollars in the endowment, um, the reason that voters put them there 20 years ago in an endowment um, instead of appropriating um, a bigger chunk of that uh, pot of money to the TSEP programming every year is because we know that we want those dollars to be there in perpetuity to help us improve health outcomes in Oklahoma, regardless of what the payments coming from the tobacco industry look like. We hope that in the future there's less money coming in from the tobacco industry because the tobacco industry shrinks. That's a hope for our health organizations. Yet we also know that those dollars are critical for all this health programming in Oklahoma that TSET does. And so keeping that billion plus dollars and continuing to add to it is intentional and will help us from here long into the future to continue to improve health outcomes. If we shrink that endowment, that will also mean that the interest payments are less. And so the programming per year would also shrink. Um, obviously, uh, it's easy to think that a billion dollars is a really big amount of money. But again, looking ahead as money going to that endowment shrinks, um, that could have huge impact on the programming that TSET executes. So just as we're, as we're talking about this, I think it might be useful to to clarify for mostly for me, because I'm not the sharpest pencil in the box. But when we're looking at the state question, does it so you've got the interest, right? You've got the 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 big pot of money, the corpus, right? Like the main endowed fund. This money that's on the state question, where does that come from? Are we pulling money like are our voters saying like we're gonna take that billion dollars and we're gonna siphon off a hundred million every year and fund Medicaid expansion? Are we saying that we're gonna take, you know, the interest each year and we're gonna just spend that or is part of that going to go to TSET and part of it's going to go to the legislature? What are the, like, what are the actual mechanics of what this would do to the funding on a year to year basis? So that, that money that comes into TSET on a year to year basis is uh, the proceeds from the, the master settlement agreement with uh, big tobacco when states successfully sued tobacco companies 20 years ago to create programs like TSET. So um, by, by, by law, those, pro those proceeds can only be used for tobacco prevention programs, uh, cancer research, and other programs that are similarly situated to improve the health of Oklahomans. Um, and 75% of those funds go into the TSET fund currently. Uh, and the remaining 25% of those funds are, are directed to a separate fund for the legislature, uh, which can also direct some of that to the attorney general. So what state question A14 would essentially do is reduce the percentage of proceeds that go into that TSET fund on an annual basis from the master settlement agreement from 75% to 25%. So you're looking at a downward adjustment in their annual operating budget from about, let's say $60 million to $20 million. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Ahead, well, and I do want to note for our listeners um, that TSET is an acronym that stands for the Tobacco Settlement Endowment Trust. And so I just want to make sure our, our listeners know what TSET means. Yeah, I think I'm going to, when I make our like voter guide for Let's Fix This, which I'm working on, I think this afternoon or tomorrow, I'm going to make a, a drawing to kind of draw like what this looks like because it it's feels abstract, right? Uh, Matt, you did a great job explaining 
where the money goes in and how it flows out, but the fact that there's two funds that have similar names uh, and what those names are used for. We need like a before and after. And I really, I will appreciate that the, the election board has not one, but two different visual instruction pages that come with your ballot, your absentee ballot this year. Made me think like- And they're different colors. To, so. They are different colors. We need to diagram some of this stuff out so that voters get it. I know that can't be part of the, the ballot title, um, but it, it helps people understand exactly what's happening and gives them a better opportunity to decide if that's good or bad in their, in their eyes. So is, is it accurate then to say that this would like essentially flip the what it is right now? So like right now, the legislature can appropriate 25% and 75% goes to the TSET budget. And then this would change it. So the legislature gets to appropriate 75% and 25% goes to the TSET budget, right? Yes. Yeah. So the legislature can already appropriate 25%. Why don't they just use that 25% for like the stuff they want to do? Like, is that, is that 25%? Is it pre, is it preordained what the legislature has to appropriate it for, or can they use it for whatever they want? So it's a good question to ask representative McIntyre here in a little bit too, but go ahead. That is a good question, but um, he's going to, he's going to get that question too. So obviously the, the idea here is to bring in more money uh, so the legislature can use it to to fund Medicaid expansion, right? We we know they need this money for Medicaid expansion, um, and this would produce more. We we just don't want to see it coming from this fund. Um, but they are required by law to direct a certain percentage of that money to the Attorney General's Evidence Fund. Makes sense. All well, right. I know. Um, ahead, Sarah go. and Matt, I know that you are short on time today. Is there anything um, that we haven't talked about that you feel is important to for listeners to hear from your, your side of things? I have a couple things I want to add, Matt. I don't know. I don't mean to take the lead on it, but um, there are a couple of statistics that are really important when I think um, for, for people to know when we talk about this issue. The first is the tobacco industry spends $172 million per year on marketing in Oklahoma alone. And by comparison, as Matt alluded to, TSED's budget recently has been about $50, or $50 million. It um, it was $46 million for the current year. Um, and needless to say, that's a huge disparity in terms of the resources that we put into cessation programming and efforts to combat that industry influence. Um, so there's a huge um, issue there in terms of protecting this programming and making sure we don't let the industry dictate what happens with tobacco use in Oklahoma. Um, the second point I wanted to raise, um, you know, because we have such poor health outcomes in Oklahoma, we get a lot of questions about TSET maybe doesn't work so well. You know, again, this program has been around for a long time. I want to point out as well that um, when we look at states with similar landscapes, similar policies, similar um, prices of for cigarettes, et cetera. Oklahoma has actually cut um, smoking rates about 10 times faster than in those other states. And we know that that's because of TSET and the work that they do. Like I said, they have a nationally ranked quit line that's incredibly effective. Um, so again, we know that this programming is really valuable and I just hope voters remember that. Definitely, that's a great point about uh, TSET's effectiveness in the light of the fact that they're so badly upspent by big tobacco. And I think it's worth noting that, you know, cigarette sales have decreased by, you know, a billion packs since 2001. 
So, you know, they've reduced adult smoking prevalence from around 29% in 2001 to about 20% in 2018. So we know that they're effective. They operate effective programs and we want to see those programs fully funded. Yeah. Well, guys, thanks so much. Uh, it's been very helpful to me and I hope it's help helpful to our listeners as well. Um, I saw one commenter say that they like pictograms and so I'll make sure that I draw one of those out. But uh, we'll let you guys get on with your, your mm -hmm. afternoon, your weekend. Uh, thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Hey, Thank thanks you for very having much. Us. Have a good day. All right. Um, super. Well, that was helpful. I think, um, I, you know, in my mind, I always like to have things like the yes, then the no. But it was interesting having the no side <clears throat> first. Well, and also helping the listeners understand what exactly TSET does. Because we hear about the amount of money that goes into this endowment and then they're spending off of the interest. Um, but what exactly do those programs look like? So I appreciate our guests being able to explain um, the value that those TSET dollars put into uh, medical research and then uh, tobacco cessation. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, you know, and I'll tell you, I mean, I, I refer patients to the quit line all the time. I mean, it's it's awesome. The the quit line that they use is is fantastic. And you know, one question that I'll have for Representative McIntyre when he comes on here in a second is, you know, um, you know, I think one of the things that we hear from the legislature frequently is that they, uh, well, depending on who you talk to, is that they they ideally like stable sources of revenue, right? Like you don't want you don't want to you don't want to tie something that's critical to fund to a source of revenue that can vary dramatically year to year. This was one of the chief arguments against uh, increasing the uh, gross production taxes on oil and natural gas is because as prices of those commodities change, production changes and revenues from those taxes can vary year to year. So like we don't want to do something. You know, this was one of the arguments we heard a few years ago was like. We don't want to raise taxes on gross, uh, raise the gross production tax because it can be so volatile. Right. I don't think that this falls in that exact same category. However, they point out that as more and more people stop using tobacco, the revenues from TSET are going to drop, right? Like they're not, yeah. that, that pot of money is not going to be there. And we're seeing, because TSET is so effective, we're seeing people stop using tobacco at refreshingly high rates. Also, because the legislature took the step of increasing. Uh, taxes on cigarettes uh, a couple of years ago. We're also seeing people um, quit smoking. So this, to me, I guess what I'm what I'm alluding to is why isn't this another one of the temporary fixes that we hear from legislators they don't like, right? Like, right. I know. you know, I'd be curious to see what the revenue coming in has been year over year, just to illustrate again a pictorial yeah. representation to demonstrate that it is a a a revenue source with diminishing returns. Love me a good graph, man. Love me a good graph. <laughs> well, especially because we gave during the, the no discussion, there was a reference to like a number in the air to give an illustration. It'll be interesting to hear, you know, how much would the legislature receive from TSET in these first years or right. the first decade or whatever. And then if, returns diminish over time what that could look like as the decrease so. well and i think you know the last i saw it was going to be like 125 150 million bucks to fund medicaid expansion right something like that mm -hmm. that's going to be and that's gonna that's probably going to go 
up, right? Like looking at the right. current, the pen, the pandemic, the recession, like all of the things that are happening, we're probably gonna have more people on, on sooner care in the near future rather than less. And so that number may, that number may go up. So even if, even if this passes, like the legislature is gonna have to come up with some, with some serious money from other sources as well. And, and so I don't know, like if this is, if this is 90% of it, like that's one thing, but if this is 25% of it, then that's, you know, that's not insignificant, but I feel like that changes, that changes the argument a little bit. Right. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. You know? That's it. Um, and I'll, I will put into the chat in just a minute, the 2019 uh, or the fiscal year 2019 annual report from TSET, the organization. Um, there's a, there's a graph that shows the decline in youth uh, cigarette smokers over the last 15 years. Um, and it's pretty substantial. Nothing in here that shows the budget part overall, but I wonder if like, okay, policy or someone has that data that we could find. You, you know, David Blatt's got that just like stored in his head somewhere, right? That's possible. <laughs> but he's not with OK Policy anymore. I so. mean, he's he's not, but he still knows it, right? Yeah. We just need to, we just, we need to have a show where David comes on the, like the whole show is just David on the show and we just like ask him questions like yeah. random, hey, David, tell me this. And then he answers it. And like, hey, David, <laughs> what was the budget for this? And he's like, it's this. And it's just an hour of like, us asking David all the stuff that he knows that we don't. <laughs> it's we'll call it brain dump with David Black, <laughs> right? And you know what? I bet, I bet he'd do it too. Uh, <laughs> um, in all seriousness, because he's he's this is probably something he knows, and he is um, you know he's teaching now, which makes me jealous of his students because I feel like uh, David is very gifted at explaining things in a way that um, makes a lot of sense and makes a lot of sense intuitively to people. Um, so. Anyway, yeah, I would imagine he might be a a difficult professor, though. Well, yeah, but those are the best ones, right? That well, fair enough. This is why we're friends, Scott. (laughs) Um, So earlier, though, Matt mentioned the 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 medical student repayment program or whatever it is. Yeah, the rural physician compensation loan repayment program. There, that's it. Um, Do you? Yeah, that's ding 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 ding. as a physician who went through medical school not too long ago, I mean, since yeah. TSED's been around, do you personally know folks that have benefited from that program? Yeah. Like, so there's, there's folks, on, now, a lot of times it's folks that are from rural communities and that are maybe intending to go back there. And so yeah. it kind of, it kind of gives them a boost when they're going back to, to, to start, you know, I think one of the things they hope is that, you know, uh, doctors who were otherwise not considering a move to a rural community or an underserved healthcare area would move mm-hmm. there. And I, and I do know some that have done that. I, are, I, I know docs that have grown up their entire life in the city, in the suburbs and have wanted to like live in, you know, a more rural area for a long time. And that was their plan. And they took advantage of the program. Um, but a lot of them are docs that are returning to their home communities. And that's a program that kind of, kind of helped them jumpstart their practice because they can, they can, take on all the, take on all the, you know, financial considerations that you have when you're starting a practice, especially without the support of a major healthcare system, they can yeah. do that without having the added burden of, you know, an average medical school debt that in the U S runs about $200,000. Um, Ooh, that's steep. That's yeah. very steep. Yeah. It's like, imagine, imagine like trying to start a business while like paying your mortgage and then paying another mortgage and then 
onto the bank and being like, I would like a loan to start a business, please. <laughs> my balance like sheet mortgage. My balance sheet has my two mortgages. <laughs> right. Right. And and you're basing everything on the potential of future cash flows, which right. is maybe, you know, is stable. However, I think twenty twenty has made us question the stability of almost everything, including doctors' salaries, right? Yeah. Like it's when when hospitals stop doing surgeries, uh, suddenly I think it was an eye-opening experience for a lot of folks in the medical community. Oh yeah, there's no there's no question. And you know, the other thing is that also it's interesting. This is I can't remember if I've ranted about this on the show before or not. So I'll take the next ninety seconds before Marcus comes on um, <laughs> yeah. to, to rant about it now because we're seeing you know we're in a spike in COVID right now in Oklahoma. We're back up to the highest levels that we've ever been. Our hospital capacity, ICU capacity statewide is about fifteen percent, um, which is not great. That's all ICU capacity, not COVID specific. Um, and you know we've heard the governor say over and over again, ah, hospital capacity is fine because if we need to, all we got to do is just you know we can just shut down elective procedures again and then we have all the capacity we need like <laughs> doing that and, I, and i'm not saying it was the wrong thing to do at the at the time like i understand why it happened but that move alone literally cost thousands and thousands of people across oklahoma their jobs number one number two we have this idea that like because a procedure is elective that must mean it's unnecessary right mm. an elective procedure is not like a, i mean okay a nose job is an elective procedure but, but like people I think when they hear, oh, no elective surgeries means that people aren't getting tummy tucks, right? Or they're not getting an eyebrow lift, right? Or they're not right. getting, you know, whatever. And that's that's not true, right? There's like, you know, having your gallbladder taken out could be an elective surgery, right? Having right. A, a suspicious mass in your liver biopsied is an elective procedure, right? Yeah. Elective or procedure. Even the, the example you gave about the nose, maybe that surgery could help somebody breathe better. Right. right. Even, exactly. I mean, that's a great point. I, I said, I said nose job and I was like, that's actually not a great example because there's a lot of those <laughs> that are, that are not simply cosmetic. Um, you know, people like elective healthcare means it's not an emergency. An elective surgery means it's not an emergency, right? right. It means right. that like, we don't have to do this like right now or risk your death, you know? Well, and to give a, an example, like a, me, a member of my family had a uh, a mass in her breast and needed to have it removed, but it wasn't urgent right then. And right. this was early on, or I think it was scheduled early on in COVID. And, and so she elected to wait for a while to see, you know, when it all first happened, everything shut down. And we were kind of waiting to see how things were going to shake out. But it was one of those anxiety provoking things because she had to do the surgery before she could do radiation. And so like delaying that felt like oh, this bomb's not going to explode right away. So like, we'll just push it over there. Um, and those are the kind of surgeries that get bumped too, right? Like right. <laughs> scary deal. Right. All right. Well, um, so I think we well covered the opposition side to state question 814. Uh, and so now we're going to talk to a member of the legislature um, to hear a little bit about how state question 814 came to be. Um, when it passed in the legislature, it was largely on uh, party line votes. I mean, that's how a lot of stuff goes down up there. Uh, and so we'll talk about that and maybe, you know, how it's uh, how it ended up coming to the ballot and and why they think that it's the the right thing to do, or that at least the people should be the ones to decide on that. Representative McIntyre, I'm going to add you to our stream now. I know you're getting your camera situated. There he is. Hello, Hello sir. I'm not doing a very good job. Hello. 
<laughs> I was trying to buy some time so you can get it. We've all. Did you get it set up there? Yeah, that works. It's terrible looking at least my big face in here, but that's okay. Hey, you're, you're, co you're, you're coming through loud and clear, and uh, and the, the picture looks great, so well done. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks. Okay. Thanks for joining us. Um, could you tell us a little bit about uh, how State Question 814 came to originate, um, how the idea came up, and, and how it made it to our ballots? It actually originated in the Senate. Uh, this was a, a Senate, uh, pretty, pretty sure it was a joint resolution coming from the Senate. And um, they were looking for uh, extra funds to fund Medicaid expansion when it comes around and uh, it's coming. So uh, this is one of the things uh, that they're looking at to help fund Medicaid expansion. Sure. Do you, go ahead, Scott. Well, I was going to say, so when we talk about Medicaid expansion, why why is this one of the vehicles that the legislature wants to use to, to find those monies? Well, I, so, I mean, in their, in the, in the, in their defense, um, and I'm pretty sure that this was a leadership bill uh, or leadership joint resolution coming from Senate leadership. Um, I think that one reason is because it fits, in, it fits into uh, TSET's mission. Uh, and that is healthcare or you know tobacco cessation. The ultimate goal is healthcare. And I think that they looked at it and they said, "Hey, this fits with their with their mission. And what better way for them to make an impact on healthcare in the state of Oklahoma and help funding uh, more access to care?" So there's, uh, you know money is fungible right so like the money coming into the to the legislature for appropriation um other monies could be used to pay for medicaid specifically but it sounds like um your understanding is that perhaps in the initial thought process is that medicaid is obviously healthcare. tset is healthcare adjacent it's part of it would be part of that um you know i think one of the the critiques that we've heard is that TSET is primarily about preventative um, issues, right? So preventing cancer and preventing heart disease and, and uh, those things. Whereas Medicaid is, you know, I guess sick care is what we have in America, right? So it's taking care on the back end. Um, so, and maybe in some ways those two things aren't necessarily as aligned as, as one might think. Oh, well, I think, I think that we can, um, you know, split hairs as much as we want, but uh, the fact of the matter is we simply don't have a lot of extra money sitting around and we certainly don't now, uh, you know, with COVID has made its impact <laughs> on our state budget. So, you know, there, there, we had, um, I think I've seen, well, when I was working on Sooner Care 2.0, uh, which, uh, I mean, I had probably, Sooner reporting, I had probably 18 different derivations on how to pay for this. And uh, in almost all of them, TSET was kind of in the footnote as a possible option to help fund it. Uh, there's also going to be uh, most likely premium tax on the managed care organizations when, when, health, when uh, the healthcare authority gets done with the RFP for managed care. Uh, so that's probably roughly about $60 million. And if you, you could pick up another 50, uh, from from uh, the MSA monies going into TSET pretty reliably every year, 
uh, that's $110 million pretty much right there. And you've got to come up with 40 some odd million uh, after that. So, um, you know, it, it is what it is, but I mean, per personally, it's going to be really hard to, to balance our budget next year with the amount of money that we're going to have. Uh, I certainly don't believe that using uh, TSET funds is necessarily optimal, but um, it gets us there and it gets us there without having to cut any other part of the budget because it would be pretty much new revenue for us to appropriate. And believe me, every bit of that money will be appropriated to get matching funds for expansion. Well, and Representative, um, the folks who are opposed to um, 814 say that with the loss of funds uh, for granting towards research and different things, that it could harm many of, like the, the progress that's been made on um, different health outcomes in the state. How would the legislature respond to that? You know, I mean, I think that's a fair criticism. It's a really fair criticism. I mean, this is not perfect. And I don't think anybody is sitting out here in the legislature or anywhere else, those who know about it, think that this is, like I said, an optimal an optimal idea. And could you repeat your, your complete question? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just how the legislature or even leadership oh, yeah, would yeah, respond to, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that it will, it will jeopardize some of TSET uh, programs, but we have to realize that that's the corpus of TSET is already over a billion dollars. How much bigger do we need that corpus to be? And that's a question that the voters need to decide when they vote. Uh, if you go off a you know a pretty much normal year with the stock market of about eight percent, if you're looking at index stuff, you know looking at growth of about eight percent, that's eighty million dollars that that the TSET corpus is throwing off to TSET every year that they use and uh there's another bucket of money there and unrealized gains that uh, i know back when we were in session it was another 160 to 180 million dollars just sitting there in unrealized gains you know th there there may be some things that we can do to help them get at some of those unrealized gains if they want to cash some of those out but the, the important thing for voters to know is that the corpus of the fund is not being touched and you guys may have already touched on this at the beginning uh but the Corpus is not being touched. If we were going after the corpus, you would see a big red no from Representative McIntyre. But we're not going after that. We're going after the, the MSA money that go in every year because it's super important that TSET be there and uh, be putting out the messaging they're putting out and doing the health initiatives that they're doing. I mean, they, they grant uh, to my local hospital. They grant to a lot of uh, rural hospitals. Uh, Stevenson's Canter, uh, Stevenson Cancer Center uh, received a pretty hefty grant from them. Uh, and so we may need to uh, restructure uh, some of the things that TSET, uh, they may need to restructure because they're a constitutional entity. Uh, but the goal is not to kill what they're doing. The goal is we don't have enough, we, we're not going to have enough money and we're going to have to find uh, a place to, to get some more money so we don't have to make it across the board just because of Medicaid expansion. Sure. Sure. So I want to, if I can, I want to, I want to play devil's advocate for, for a minute sure. and try and try to, and Fine. I'll try to frame this okay. in a, in a, in a, a way that really is, is more policy oriented, not, and not to be political. So 
One of the one of the arguments that I feel like was made a lot when we were talking about education funding a few years ago, and we were talking about you know um, oil and gas, like gross production taxes, and, and what do those need to look like, and and talking a lot about how it it's really not good policy to try and and tie funding for critical services to funding stream income streams that have a tendency to be volatile, right? Like like gross production taxes that are so dependent on commodity prices and et cetera. And I know that TSET is not the same as that, but as people, you know, because TSET's good at their job and because people quit smoking and like tobacco use is going down, like eventually those monies are gonna start to decrease. Like that's not a stable income source that's just gonna like remain the same or go up and up and up and up. So, and especially as we look forward and we see like the pandemic, the results in economic conditions, et cetera, I think in the immediate future, more people are gonna need sooner care rather than less. So I know it's we're looking at 150 million-ish right now, but that could easily be higher you know, in the short term. So as we're talking about finding other money, right? I feel like one of the things when we talk about with the legislature trying to trying to like find other funding streams, sometimes, and, and I'm, no, I'm not saying that you're making this argument, but I've heard other people make this argument like, well, there's there's just nothing we can do. And I would argue through my policy point, like one thing that could happen is the top marginal income tax rate could go back up by like 1% from some of the cuts that have been made for the last 10 years. And we could raise like a billion dollars. And I would, and Andy will, we can, we can play back the audio. I have said numerous times on this show that like a recession is not the time that anyone wants to raise taxes. Ideally, you'd want to cut taxes. We can't in Oklahoma right now for a variety of reasons. So I'm not arguing from that standpoint, but I think it is pretty clear that even in the midst of this recession, the folks that would be hit with that kind of a tax increase at the very, very top of the income bracket, like those are not the folks that are struggling the most during this time. So from from, from my perspective, a policy, like a better long-term policy would be a small increase on the very top income tax earners. And tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> well, and... Scott, I think this connects to a question that you were asking earlier um, that I think would, would tie in for Representative McIntyre. Um, if we know that the cost of Medicaid expansion is going to increase over time. And so if the earnings of the TSET um, trust decreases, then that means there'll be less money that will be available from that source to cover Medicaid expansion. And so what would the different ideas be of potential ways to continue funding this, this part of Medicaid expansion should the value of TSET decrease from those um, returns? Okay. So there's, there's a lot there. So, uh, let's, let's yes, yes, I apologize. I know you were asking, you, you, you basically said, look, let's look at this from a policy perspective, and uh, which cannot be divorced from politics. It just can't. I mean, uh, let's, let's, let's all be realists for a second, and that we've got supermajority Republican control all over the place. Um, it's a 75 in the House to be a 76 vote to raise taxes. I don't think leadership has any desire to raise taxes. Um, the governor doesn't have any desire to raise taxes to fund this. And so they're looking wherever else they can to find money. And I'm, quite frankly, I'm a little surprised they didn't go after CLO. 
uh, a little bit too. But uh, I, I am, I am too. I yeah. They, yeah, um, we've had that happen, and I defended CLO because they were wanting to get at uh, another legislator or two, or wanting to get at the corpus of that fund. Um, and again, with TSAT, we're not going to corpus, but corpus. But still, though, I mean, the, the raising taxes are just going to be a non-starter, whether one believes that's a good policy or not. There's just not enough uh, people willing to put their, their neck uh, on the block to raise taxes again, especially after, you know, two years ago, we went through it with the largest tax increase in state history. So um, I wish that politics, we could look at this in a vacuum and say, oh yeah, this would be a really nice idea. But the reality is, is that we're Republican controlled uh, through and through. And one, the, the last thing a Republican wants to do is ever raise taxes. It may sure. get I mean, I if, uh, if if we've really lowballed it, that we have to, but and I and I and you're I mean hundred percent right like I the the political the political reality and I um, despite my lofty idealism of trying to frame it in terms of the policy yeah I mean the pol the politics are what they are it's just um, you know I I really try when I when I try to when I vote for anything you know, everybody has partisan considerations, I'm sure, and, and now more than ever. But I really try to look at ideas and think about like what's like what's good policy and what's and what's not. And I'm not here to say that like this question is terrible. It just it's frustrating. It's frustrating to me as somebody who really one, I mean I'm a primary care doctor, like I really care about good healthcare and access to good healthcare. But two, I really care about good sustainable public policy. And my fear is that in two years or four years, um, you know, hopefully not on Zoom, but the four of us will be having this same conversation talking about like, well, now the now we need 300 million for Medicaid. And uh, what are we going to do? I'm do you see what I'm saying. So that's like that's kind of that's where yeah, absolutely. that's where the question comes from. I have a, a follow up. To yeah. That, and, I think. and just to your point, Andy. And, Go ahead. Okay, and hold one second. Um, and I want to also address what you were talking about on the MSA money being declining revenue. There is always the potential on any of that, that it, that it will decline as people stop smoking and things like that. But, you know, we've hit it pretty hard. And those, those, those uh, MSA funds are coming in pretty reliably every year, about 75 million a year. It shows no sign of, of, of really slowing down. I, I think that's a risk. Um, albeit right now and for the for the next five or six years to be a low risk for that declining very much. Um, and Andy, you were going to say something. Oh yeah, no, that, that's fine. That's an excellent point. Um, I forget what the sentence was that made me think of this, but back in the spring, the legislature passed funding for Medicaid expansion, right? The, the governor ultimately vetoed. Um, and you mentioned that TSET was... A part of that, right, uh, increases in shop fees um, and some other stuff. So TSET is really a tiny drop in the bucket out of all of that. Um, is any of that stuff still on the table? And if not, why not? Yes, I, I would assume so. Um, to be real honest with you, I haven't had a lot of communication over the interim from the executive branch. I know they've been working on a lot of things. Um, I've... Um, I've uh, made my displeasure with that known. 
And uh, so I don't know exactly. I mean, they're going to do it on their own right now. Uh, the healthcare authority has a lot of, uh, uh, I guess, leeway in and authority in promulgating their own rules. And so uh, I haven't seen everything that they have on the table, but I would assume they wouldn't reinvent the wheel completely. And they're using many of those funding mechanisms. I mean, I'm sure shop is still going to be used as a funding mechanism, but this, you know, if everything was really neat and easy, it, it would be great, but it's not because if you start messing with shop, the supplemental hospital offset payment program, if you start messing with that, that, that's a big deal. It's a big deal for hospitals. And you get to the point where it's either raise taxes, as, as was mentioned earlier, or you go looking for other revenue streams. And the lesser of two evils is, in my mind, is, uh, you know, maybe using some TSEP money and not damaging their corpus rather than going full-blown after shop, which definitely our hospitals will bear the cost of that. And so, I mean, there's nothing that they'll they'll revolt. Revolt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, they're going to. Well, and I think you raise an important. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you raise an important point um, that I hope that our listeners are taking away as well. That uh, T said is example of one of many different funding streams and trusts that fund uh, different programs in the state. And so, there's a lot of things to consider when we talk about where we're gonna pull funding sources from to, to fund different needs. And then when we do make changes in different funding sources, there's always a downside to what it will impact. And so one example I'm, I appreciate you bringing up is what will happen if you change shop funds and how that would impact hospitals, so. Yeah, and I'm sure that the governor is gonna be going after shop funds. Uh, we have a statutory maximum of 4%. The federal statutory maximum is 6% of shop. Uh, right now, I think the hospitals are about 2.9%. Uh, every percentage point of shop is about $75 million. And so um, that is another avenue. So we've got, if you, if you look at this really simply, you've got $50 million coming from T714 passes. You have probably another, uh, another 50 from T, excuse me, another 60 from premium taxes. And then if you used if you use that 1% of shop and the hospitals agreed to it, then you're there on preliminary estimates. And then we just all hold our breath and see what the enrollment numbers look like. Representative McIntyre, can you explain real quick what shop is for everybody who is not as, as sure. uh, well versed in this as, as you are? Yeah, I'll be happy to. Um, so SHOP is a program, it's almost every state has it. It's called something different in every state. We call it SHOP. And basically, um, Medicaid reimburses at such a low rate, it's lower than Medicare. Medicare is considered the upper payment limit. And so what SHOP does is SHOP comes in behind. The, the hospitals basically assess themselves a bed tax. It's matched with federal matching funds, and then it sent back to Oklahoma and redistributed to the hospitals quarterly. And what this does is it brings up all of the healthcare services they've, uh, they've uh, performed given to um, Medicaid patients, and it acts as a, an extra payment, if you will, to get hospitals to that upper payment limit, which is Medicare rates. And so that's all it does because 
the hospitals lose money on every uh, Medicaid patient they see. And so this gets them up to the Medicare rate. Is that, I hope that makes sense. That's as simple as I think. I'd like totally. hundred percent. It's such a great example though, of like the complicated nature of, of healthcare funding, federal funding and the intersection of all this stuff, right? Where it's, so rarely is it just like, uh, well, yeah. this organization gives money to this group. It's always like, well, they take some and they take some and it routes back up and then they add some more to it and then it comes back down. You're like, that yeah. sounds made up. <laughs> one other, I, I one other, every day. Yeah. Yeah. one other question that uh, I've heard come up in, in relationship to the state question is that the, is, is the money um, earmarked in any sort of way? Like, is this money that, has to be used for Medicaid expansion or other healthcare expenses, or does this go into general revenue and can be appropriated for whatever? And then we keep our fingers crossed that the legislature will use it for. Okay. Yeah. Well, they, they will as long as I'm overseeing the health budget because I will cry. <laughs> um, and that's what I do for your listeners who don't know who I am. I am the <laughs> A&B chairman for health. So I do the, the budget for health. Um, earmarks. You know, now we can get back into policy here. It are earmarks good policy? I would say they're not. I understand why taxpayers want earmarks, though. Um, earmarks, a taxpayer says, okay, if you're going to take my taxes, my hard-earned money, then we want to know where you're spending it. And so there, there's been, I mean, throughout the last, I would say since, well, no, it's been the whole time, people want to see money earmarked. But it's terrible for budgeting. Nobody earmarks their well, they earmark some of their budget for rent or whatever. Uh, but when we but do things it, happen all it. the time. Yeah. But yeah, but you have, I mean, the, the brakes go out on the car or you, you know, you get a flat tire and you got to go get some more money somewhere. Well, I've got it earmarked for rent, so I can't use that. So I'm just not going to drive a car. No, nobody does that. Nobody does that. Instead, government shouldn't do that either. But I understand um, the... You know, people want people really desire certainty and they want to know where their taxpayer dollars are going. In this case, it, the money is not earmarked. You have pretty much um, the word of the legislature, however good that is, uh, <laughs> that, that, that money will be used for Medicaid. And I don't, and, and honestly, our backs are against the wall because we don't have enough money and we're going to have to have it and it's going to go to Medicaid. It will go to, to provide matching funds. We're going to turn that fifty million into a hundred million. Well, actually, nine to one. It's going to be times nine. Yeah, that's a pretty solid deal. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And 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 you know, the thing is, I know that that some people are upset uh, about you know maybe TSET is going to be impaired in some way, and they probably will be impaired amount, a small amount. But it's a change. It's one they will figure out. It's one that the state will figure out. Uh, and while I don't believe it's completely optimal at this point, I'm still scratching my head saying, where are we going to get all this money? And it is a uh, pretty uh, attractive um, opportunity for the state. Yeah. Well, well Representative McIntyre, thank you for your time. I, I think we all know that um, this spring is going to be a, a difficult session in lots of ways, right? Uh We'll still be doing dealing with COVID. The budget is certainly still a factor, um, and 
you know, we've talked in the last few weeks to folks, you know, about everything from uh, changes to Open Meeting Act to um, to redistricting to budgeting, um, lots of things that are popping up. Um, and we don't even know what the governor's going to say in his State of the State address in February. Who knows? I have no idea. <laughs> Usually, well, we, get a, we still have two months of the year left, right? Or two or three. Uh, can, <laughs> can I, uh, can I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm laying down my claim right now that at some point, uh, <clears throat> the governor state of the state address is going to, uh, include, uh, safe, responsible, and data driven. That's my, <laughs> I'm, I'm laying down that marker in the sand that that'll happen. Well, we'll put oh, that on our predictor Rama. Too, and yeah. Yeah, well, you know, top 10 state will be there as well. Um, I don't know. It's going to be a really hard session. You're right, Anthony. There's a lot of changes that are coming down the pipe at Oklahomans, you know, from Medicaid expansion, police reform. Uh, I mean, there's all you know, criminal justice reform it is going to be a wild and crazy session. And it's going to be really interesting to watch this freshman class grow as legislators because they've really only had one session like real session and it was pretty much a cakewalk and yeah. then COVID yeah. happened and I'm not counting that. Uh, <laughs> but it's going to be interesting to watch them blossom and become legislators. And uh, I'm excited about it. I think we've got, I think we have a, a fairly centrist, centrist right house now. And uh, so I'm excited that we can actually work together and get some stuff done. We're, Excellent. we're, we're excited to watch it. <laughs> I'm sure you are. So you guys have me back <laughs> on, and I'll give you an update. Right? We'll do it. You know, I we'll just tell it. it like I tell it like it is. So that's that's yes, very true. Is. Hey, yes. thank you so much, Representative. We appreciate it. Yes, thank you're you. welcome. Thank you, folks. Bye bye. Thanks. All right. Well, on that note, um, always pleasant speaking with Representative McIntyre. Um, I appreciate that he takes our pointed questions in stride. And, and then it continues to come back on the show. I think we were really nice. I didn't say we weren't nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I don't know about you guys, but I've got some, well, I was going to say I've got some stuff to digest about state question 814. I already voted. I know how I voted. Uh, I'm not going to tell you, but um, I hope well, that this, this is a great to. Yeah. This is a great episode for people to go back and, and listen to because we talked about a lot of great information about what TSET does, the impact that the state question will have, but also where the legislature is positioned to be um, in this 2021 session. And so there's a lot of things that the voters are going to have to weigh out. And this is a good episode to go back and listen to. Yeah, we I, I am working on getting some folks from the 805 campaign, the yes on 805. And I think there's a no on 805 campaign now, which is the state question. Um, and so I, we'll try to get those folks scheduled for next week, ideally, um, to talk through that state question as well. Um, this is tough. Like, I know the League of Women Voters, their annual voter guide is going to print like this week. Um, but because everyone's voting or so many people are voting by mail, it feels like we're late, right? Even though Election Day is not for another month. Well, uh, and, and so also the election board released... Um, some of the ballots earlier than normal because right. of so many people wanting to vote early. And so yeah. typically ballots would go out around this time, but they went out maybe a couple weeks ago or a few yeah. weeks ago mm -hmm. max. And so that's uh, pretty unusual, but it's an unusual time where we're going to have a record number of people voting by mail. 
So I've I've got I got a Zoom call on Sunday uh, talking about like ballot and state questions and where people can go to get their information. Uh, it's yeah, people people are people are digging in, man. That's yeah. a great thing. <laughs> it's a great thing. Um, update um, on just a little bit of uh, national stuff. Uh, the latest I've seen is that the president is uh, fatigued, but otherwise in good spirits. Um, just I find this interesting um, just for a bunch of reasons. He has been given a single eight gram dose of, uh, of a, a drug by uh, Regeneron. It's a polyclonal antibody cocktail. It's I understand it's a mix of three different uh, antibodies that are, these are synthetic antibodies that have been ma- manufactured to combat coronavirus. Um, this is something that doesn't have any FDA. It's got an emergency authorization from the uh, FDA. It does not have an emergency. It does not have an, uh, an approval. Um, it's a drug that has shown some um, uh, positive effects in patients that are hospitalized. So uh, apparently uh, the president is being treated with that. So. That's the latest on President Trump and coronavirus. There we go. It will undoubtedly change before I have a chance to edit this and get it posted. <laughs> so, um, okay. Well, on that note, uh, Bailey, thank you for being here. Thank you, Andy. Scott, thank you as well. Wouldn't miss it for the world. Viewers, uh, if you're if you're watching this on Facebook. Um, or on YouTube, please know that we cross-post to both platforms. So if you want to share it on Twitter, it's on our uh, easy ways that it's on our YouTube channel. Um, but the video will remain on Facebook as well if you want to share it there. Please do. Um, and also, this will be posted as a podcast to the Let's Pod This podcast um, feed. That's what it's called, right? Feed. And so if you listen to podcasts, you can find it anywhere. Spotify, Amazon, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all of those podcast places. Uh, you can also find the link to it directly on our website, which is letsfixthisok.org. Ooh, listeners, I have not told you, you can now just go to letsfixthis.org. If you forget Woo-hoo! the okay, we, uh, thanks to a generous donor, we were able to secure that um, domain, which is a big deal. So um, that's nothing else is changing right now, but just throwing that out there. Even if you misspell it, you can still find it. All right. Well, on that note, um, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Let's Pod This is a production of Let's Fix This. It is produced by Bailey, Scott, and me. Uh, we're a member of the Mostly Harmless Media Network, which is based right here in Oklahoma City and home of some other really excellent podcasts that you should check out. Uh, and our theme music, which you heard briefly in the intro, and then if you're listening, you'll hear it on the outro as well, is called Rhino Funk, a song by an artist and down. And on that note, have a great week, everybody.